0: This is ADHD Rewired episode number 11. This is the show designed for those of us who have really good intentions and a slightly wandering attention. Whether you have ADHD and you want to learn more about it, or you are looking for ways to organize your time, your things, or the many details of life so you can get more done, this show is for you. We know that finishing could sometimes be just as hard as starting, so let's finish what we started with part two of Thoughts on Trial. But first, here's this. One of the best things that I do to manage my ADHD is I attend conferences. I go and I learn new strategies that help me and my clients, but I keep going back for the community. Please join me in Orlando, July 24th through the 27th for the ADA conference, the only ADHD conference focused on adults with ADHD. Register at ada.adhdrewired.com. That's ADDA.adhdrewired.com. So we know that if you can't change it, the only thing you could really do is change how you think about it. Well, this is what I'm forced to do at this moment because one of the things that I was trying to do is send my original file to a virtual assistant at Fiverr. It's a new strategy that I'm trying to use. Well, at some point, somewhere in the process, the main part of this episode got lost. So after I hadn't heard back from the person that I sent my file to, I knew that I would have to to edit it myself, which is was fine. And I went to open the file, and the main chunk of this episode, so basically everything except for the intro and outro, was gone. So here we go take two on the episode about cognitive behavioral therapy and putting thoughts on trial. So I don't like the fact that I am now having to re-record this, but I can't change it. I can only change how I think about it. And there are a few things that are coming to my mind. One of the things is I need to have a better system in place for a backup files So I realized that, yes, I have my files on my hard drive and yes, I save it to Dropbox. But I have heard before that other people will have a secondary physical hard drive to back up their media files. And, you know, this will only happen so many more times until I finally realize, okay, it's time to purchase that secondary hard drive and do the backup because it's gone, I can't change it. I spent about 15 minutes looking on my computer for it and I could spend, you know, about twice that time and just hit record and just go at it again. So, I'm also taking this opportunity to um Take some feedback that I got from uh, Scott on on my Facebook page, who did suggest that I try to shorten the episode a bit. Uh, My episodes have been getting longer and longer, it seems. So I am going to take that. This situation and try to turn it into an opportunity to shorten the episode because this was once again a longer one originally, but let's see if I can break it down and make it a bit shorter. So in review... Last episode, I talked about cognitive behavioral therapy and what, what is a thought. I talked about some common cognitive distortions and look at the idea that thoughts are not facts and that we need to be able to argue our thoughts using evidence. And I did have, and I do have resources on my website, including worksheets and handouts uh, that I give to my clients, but are available for anyone to go on there and check it out. So what we're going to talk about today is our feelings and some of the behavioral connections to our feelings. So when we think about what is a feeling, you know, we want to think about, well, why do we have them? And thinking about feelings as emotions and emotions, when we understand the root word of emotions, you know, the root word is to emote or to move. You know, um, emotions help to communicate both to ourselves and to others. So we have to begin to understand the emotional processes that occur and really try to understand what meaning do we give to the emotions that we are having? You know, and the meaning that we give to our emotions gives it a lot more power. It's that interpretation of our emotion and our experience that drives you know, us to, to do certain things. So when we understand why we have emotions and understand what they mean and understand the physical mechanisms of various emotions to allow us to be able to identify what the emotion is more easily, we are able to make smarter decisions based on the emotions that we are experiencing. The first emotion that I want to discuss is the emotion of fear. Fear. So fear is a a very strong emotion that, you know, we tend to have a lot of fear uh, in when you have ADHD, the fear of what did I forget, Uh, the fear of um, messing something up, you know, so these different uh, aspects of fear, which in part are based on some historical accuracy, But when we think about fear from an evolutionary standpoint, it's a very primal emotion that really serves a single purpose, and that is to keep us alive. So think about this. Fear is really helpful, except for when it's not. And when it's not, and people are experiencing fear through the realms of high anxiety and maybe even through anger, one of the things that, that I like to point out is that this is when people come to see me, not for the the healthy fear or the healthy anxiety. So I want to give you an acronym to help you remember that fear is not always helpful and it's not always what you think it is. And that acronym is false evidence appearing real. So is that an acronym or an, ac- an acrostic? I think I get those two things confused. So, Either way, fear stands for false evidence appearing real. You know, it appears real because it feels very real. But remember that just like thoughts are not facts, feelings are not facts. We need to be able to identify, is there a real danger to our health and safety? Is the the bear actually behind us or is it really just in our mind? When, you know, if we're out hiking somewhere and we see a a hungry bear right behind us, that fear response is good. We want that because that's going to pump different hormones through our body that's going to allow us to basically stay alive. And we like being alive. That's kind of a good thing. We want to really understand that when we're having those fear responses and situations that aren't actually dangerous, but we're just perceiving as dangerous, that we need to address those differently. So, by understanding the sequence of we have a thought, it generates an emotion, and it moves us uh, through a behavior. We can identify what this sequence is and then be able to change our sequence. So when we look at how things start, things start in this realm in that there is a precipitating event, you know, a situation, a maybe we get a phone call or an email or we're about to go do something or we just have a thought that comes into our mind. Then what do we do? based on that thought. You know, a lot of these thoughts are I, I referred to and refer to in the cognitive behavioral therapy world as a negative automatic thought. And these negative automatic thoughts create emotions. And as I said, emotions move us to act. Our actions or our behaviors then reinforce our thoughts. So how does that look like giving a specific example? Let's say that as I'm opening the my audio file, let's say my automatic thought was uh, to blame, you know, just to blame something else. And I feel frustrated and I'm angry. You know, I say, oh, nothing ever goes uh, my way. Oh, this figures. So all of these kind of catastrophizing thoughts. What if I did that and I got all worked up? Basically what happens then is that because I then get all worked up and then maybe I spend three or four hours trying to find the file and end up not being able to. Then I finally end up re-recording the episode. So what would happen is that next time that kind of situation occurs, I would probably then launch into the same sequence of behaviors of the three to four hours of trying to problem solve instead of saying, okay, Yep, this sucks that I lost this file. This is going to create extra work for me. But when I can think about this problem from a rational mind, not an emotional mind, I can do an analysis and say, okay. The episode was about 30 to 40 minutes and I can also integrate some other pieces of information like the feedback that I got from one of our listeners that said, you know, we tend to have short attention spans out here. Would you mind cutting the the length of the episodes down? So, you know, I'm looking at ways that I can turn a potentially frustrating situation into a positive. I am changing the sequence of events. One of the reasons this is so important is when we respond, to our emotions and the emotions are based on our negative thoughts Our those automatic thought processes are being rewarded because we're responding to them deep in our our brain mechanisms is this little guy who's in there in the brain and saying oh I'm really glad that I sent you that thought because you clearly think this thought is important because you're listening to it and you're responding to it. So I'm going to make sure I keep sending you those thoughts. So that's the little guy that's inside your brain. Okay, so, but, you know, like most of us, when we're ignored for long enough, we tend to, to go on and do something different. Just like when we ignore something, or if we ignore, say, the negative behavior of you know a child, you know, initially, the attention-seeking Aspect of that behavior is going to increase. And so when we understand anxiety in this way, let me walk you through this. So let's say you have an automatic thought, okay? And the automatic thought is creating a lot of anxiety. So let's say you're having anxiety of, oh, I have to work on this paper. Okay. So the working on a paper or a project is creating anxiety. And if you then decide to then go do something else you know, maybe procrastinate to avoid that feeling. And now your anxiety is decreased at that moment. In a sense, you're rewarded. You're rewarded because now you're not feeling anxious, except that when you realize you still have to do that project, you're anxious again. So what do we do? We acknowledge what we're feeling. We understand why we're feeling it and we push through it anyways. And by pushing through it, you know, know that your anxiety will actually increase. And one of the things we need to really try to do is to not judge the feeling and also understand the feeling. Understand that, okay, by pushing through anyways, by, by literally going towards the thing that is making us anxious is going to increase our anxiety One of the things to really understand is that this is a relearning process. And while learning might be hard, relearning is harder. If you realize that it's increasing your anxiety. But the point of this is that over time, when we have those automatic thoughts that create that anxiety, but we don't respond behaviorally to escape, our automatic thoughts may still be there but the negative uh, emotional response or the intensity of our emotional response is going to decrease over time. So by pushing through and really trying to habituate yourself. So basically getting used to a feeling of anxiety and just, you know, don't judge it, just say, okay, I'm noticing that I'm, my heart's racing. I'm noticing that my, I'm, breathing um, kind of shallowly or I'm sweating. So just pay attention to what you are physically feeling without really judging it. It is anxiety. It's unpleasant to experience it, but it's not actually dangerous in that moment. A lot of of behavioral and cognitive behavioral uh, approaches tend to be paradoxical, and this is clearly one of them. But we know that the brain is adaptive. And if every time you experience anxiety in a situation, if you push forward and go through it anyways, your brain is going to learn and it's going to decrease the amount of those negative thoughts, which create those those unpleasant emotions. It will decrease it. It may not go away altogether, but those automatic negative thoughts are going to, to change over time. When I opened up my file, I, you know, the thoughts I have, oh, that's frustrating. I I wondered why it happened. I thought about what happened differently. So I was looking at evidence and I decided that, you know what, even though I have a, a, there's a part of me that wants to really try to figure it out. I have to say, you know, it's not worth it. I'm just going to re-record it, and I'm going to save it in multiple places and develop other strategies so I'm not repeating the same mistake. You know, this is a great example of failing forward. So I'm failing forward right here. Yep, it, it something got messed up. It's frustrating. This wasn't what I was planning to do right now, but it is, and I'm going to keep moving on. That's another uh, component of this. Now, I also want to talk about anger. You know, anger and ADHD, um, you know, are, are often go together, but not always, you know, some people, and I, you know, I'm like kind of on both sides of this, don't get angry enough. Other people get angry too often. So some of the, um, that is just our emotional responsiveness to different situations. You know, some people kind of shut down instead of getting angry. Other people intellectualize situations. I'm completely guilty of that one, of intellectualizing a lot of the situations that happen. Um, but you know what? I I used to experience a lot of anger when I was younger, and a lot of that was from not understanding why things were hard for me. Part of it was from um, you know either getting in trouble for things that were really a function of my ADHD. Um, and I used to, you know, my, my mom and I used to butt heads quite a bit because she would get mad at me for stuff that she, you know, she didn't understand that I had ADHD. We didn't know that I had ADHD. So, but this is a really common occurrence that happens with ADHD, especially if you have a kid with ADHD. You know, there's this nasty little thing called oppositional defiant disorder. And we know that one way that we can really create oppositional defiant disorder is is for being overly punitive for things that are a function of the ADHD. So you know, AD, So anger often also comes from you know, not accepting yourself and not being understood by others. You know, If you are a square peg and you are trying to fit in a round hole, you could try all day long and you are not going to fit. And that would make me angry too. Speaking of round pegs, come hang out with a bunch of round pegs. Are you registered for the Adda Conference? This is the only conference just for us adults with ADHD. Register using my affiliate link, adda.adhdrewired.com. That's ada.adhdrewired.com. Understanding the emotional uh, experiences that we are having, understanding why we are feeling angry. You know, one thing that that makes me actually angry is when I am actually interrupted in the middle of a train of thought. So when I am thinking about something and processing and my working memory is, is filled to capacity while I'm, I'm working uh, through something and then someone interrupts me, that it's jarring. It's really frustrating. And it's here's the thing. I know that it's not the other person's fault. I am not angry at that other person. I'm angry at the situation. I'm angry that I was interrupted and I'm angry that my my working memory just basically got deleted and now I have to start the thought all over again. As you have relationships with people, it's important to communicate this with them. You know, things like if I'm working on something, please don't start talking. Maybe have a, a signal that you can give to each other because it's a really frustrating experience to get interrupted. Over the past weekend, I was at my parents' house and I was talking with my, my parents and I was helping with uh, them do something on the computer. And I was uh, writing something out and I asked my mom to, to hold on a second because she was telling me something. And because I, I kept kind of getting interrupted on my train of thought. And then she turns to my dad to, to tell him something. And then I said to her, it doesn't matter that you're talking to me or him, you're in the room and I hear you, you know, it's it's still interrupting my my train of thought. And it was frustrating, but I know it's you know it's it's hard to not take it personal, but it's not personal. It's just that's I think a very common response to when your working memory is interrupted. Because it's it's frustrating. So what happens when you have these negative emotions that are not based on cognitive distortions? What if you were having negative emotions based on a fairly accurate uh, perception of reality? Well, that's where coaching and skill training comes in. You know, working with, if you know that you're forgetful about certain things and that's creating anxiety for you, well, I, by identifying the things that you're forgetful about, developing the skills and then working with a coach. Uh, to help you really develop and and uh, stay on top of those things. Because, you know, once we develop the skills, it doesn't make, make everything all better. And that's part of the frustrating things with ADHD. You can take medication, but that does not teach you the skills. You can learn the skills, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to do them. You know, that's ADHD. It's the disorder of good intentions. Understanding that some of the uh, emotions that you might be feeling are based on the reality that certain things are hard that you tend to you know mess certain things up um, you know and get the support for that but understand what those emotions are but going back to what I was saying before about not judging emotions, That can be just as helpful with these kinds of situations um, as as they are with the cognitive distortions. Now, it is time for our Tech Tip of the Week. Today's Tech Tip of the Week is an app called Unstuck. This is an app designed to help you get you unstuck. Now, this is a really well-designed app. I think it's just beautiful. It's really well thought out and I wanna share it with you. So here's how this app works. You can choose what your stuck is. So I'm gonna tap on, on the app, it'll ask you if you want to diagnose your stuck or go to the tool gallery. So if I were to diagnose my stuck, the first thing it asks me is, how are you feeling in this moment? And then it gives me 18 different emotional options with, and you can choose three cards that identify these emotions. Your choices are afraid, aimless, conflicted, hazy, hesitant, high and dry, indecisive, lost, overwhelmed, paralyzed, stumped, tired, disciplined, undisciplined, uninformed, uninspired, unmotivated, unprepared, and up in the air. So you choose each one of these, it'll ask, it'll identify and describe a situation to make sure that you're choosing the right one, and then it will ask you to rate how strong you are feeling on this emotion, which is a cognitive behavioral tool. Then it will ask you two different questions. It'll ask you, what type of stuck are you and who was involved? The type of stuck asks you, are you is it a personal, is it a professional, or is it both? And when it asks you who was involved, it asks you me, me and others, or me and another person. So, after you do that, it's gonna give you some more options and it's gonna ask you, What are you stuck on? And it will allow you to type a specific situation that you are stuck on. So, then after you do that, and it will also give you examples. So, if you're not sure what to write, it will give you some examples. Then it prompts you to answer the question, What thoughts are you having in this moment that you're stuck on? And here's a really neat thing it has a whole deck of cards that you can use to describe. The- the types of thought. So you can put them in two piles. The first pile is so me. The second pile is not me. So I'm just going to read you a few examples. Uh, The first one is I don't know what I want. Another one is, there is no good reason I am not doing this. Uh, Next one is, I'm just going through the motions. And so there's, uh, I don't know, maybe 20 or 30 cards. And you just sort them based on how much each thing is identified as your type of stuck. So is it you or is it not you? And then you keep going. So then it asks you, what are you doing in this moment? And then again, you could pick three different things. And it gives you a menu. Uh, Some examples are unable to make a clear argument regularly contradicting yourself, flip-flopping. Okay, so there are these different options and these are all based on the things that you've said now it's diagnosing your type of stuck. It gives you a motivational quote, and then it will give you a name. And so the name it gave me, and I just kind of randomly chose stuff as we're doing this, is Idol Achiever. And it will say things like, hey, you're not alone. Other people who had moments like this are uh, Simon Cowell, uh, Helen Grainer, I don't know who that is, or Mark Twain. It gives you this really nice Infographic with more information that you can read to learn about it, and some more options to help you uh, through it. This is a really well-designed app based in cognitive behavioral therapy that's very visually appealing, and that's just half of it. I would really encourage you to check this app out. It's called Unstuck, and you know, feel free to share your Unstuck with us. Go onto our Facebook page, tell us what you think. The Facebook page is ADHD Rewired it's time to hear from you it's email time In the interest of our listeners with shorter attention spans, so that might mean most of us, I'm just going to read one email, and this email is from Michelle, and she sent me a few emails uh, since I've started the show, but the one I want to read to you is, she asks me, I want to ask you about ADHD rewired. It seems like you are giving tricks to deal with the symptoms of ADHD, but isn't rewiring supposed to change the way your mind works so it opens up some of the synapses that should occur but doesn't in the ADHD mind? Great question. Cognitive behavioral therapy does do just that. It does rewire the brain. You know, learning wires and rewires the brain. The more we do things and familiarize ourselves with things that we do, we are wiring synapses together. Now, one thing that I'll share with you too is that right before I launched this podcast, I was actually gonna have a go by a different name and that name was going to be ADHD Brain Wired Differently. Then I had one of those in the shower aha moments and I realized that the name was way too long. So I discussed it with a group that I'm a part of. Uh, It's a podcasting kind of masterminding group called Podcaster's Paradise. If you are interested in podcasting, go check them out. I threw this question to the group and a number of people responded and agreed that the name was too long and somebody else then suggested in this process process the name ADHD Rewired. And there are certain times when something just clicks right away and that one clicked right away with me. So I made an 11th hour change and it's one that I'm glad that I did. So that's ADHD Rewired that, and that's how we came up with the name which was almost ADHD Brain Wired differently. Michelle, thank you for your question. I know you have some other questions that I wanted to get to, but in the sake of time, I'm just going to answer this one. Let me know what you think. I would love your feedback regarding the length of the episodes. Would you like me to try to shorten them or do you like the length? Would you like a mixture of different uh, lengths? So I would be interested in any your feedback. You know where to reach me, ADHDrewired.com or at our Facebook page, ADHDrewired. <laughs> Well, podcast listeners, you have just listened to another episode of ADHD Rewired. I'd love to hear from you. Do you want your question or comment to be featured on this show? You can contact me through my website, ADHD Rewired. Click on the microphone icon that says Ask Eric and record your voice. Or email me through the website. You can also make comments on Facebook Our page is called ADHD Rewired. Let the... (laughs) Let everyone know what you think by leaving a review on iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud. It has been helping me tremendously. I, at one point, was ranked number one in iTunes for self-help podcasts. This is not new and noteworthy. This was all of self-help podcasts. So thank you so much. Your reviews truly are greatly appreciated. And this is what is helping other people find this show. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The emails have been coming in letting me know that you want to be part of ADHD Rewire's first coaching group. I am still accepting people's interests. I am still formulating how this group will work. So just send me an email letting me know you're interested. Make sure the subject says ADHD Rewired Coaching. As soon as I have more information about this, I will let you know. Don't forget to register for the ADA conference at ADDA.ADHDrewired.com. I almost forgot to mention, Chris, congratulations. You won the ADHD Rewired Listener Contest. Did you know that on my website, I have a storefront that has some of my favorite ADHD tools and books and fidget toys? I do have fidget toys on there. So go check it out. And today, I'm going to leave you with the words of, yes, Winnie the Pooh. Did you ever stop to think and forget to start again? Until next time.